TED Audio Collective. Hello, everyone, and 大家你好 It's Elise Hu from TED Talks Daily. The U.S. and China are the world's two global superpowers right now. But the way our two countries have addressed the same virus went in drastically different ways. In today's talk, TED's head of curation, Helen Walters, chats with the writer and publisher Huang Hong, who's considered the Oprah of China, to better understand the differences between Eastern and Western pandemic responses without judgment. And they discuss a realistic look at what's ahead for U.S.-Chinese relations. Stick around, and you'll learn some cool Chinese slang too. Support comes from Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial. When the lawyer you choose matters most, online at zuckerman.com. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from Capital One Bank. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com/bank. Capital One NA member FDIC. Huang, it's so good to see you. Thank you for joining us. How's your How's your twenty twenty been? My twenty twenty started totally normal.、Uh, in January, I went to Paris,、um, did my interview for the Fashion Week there, came back to Beijing on January twenty second, and finding things a little bit tense because there were a lot of rumors. Having lived through SARS. I wasn't that concerned, and on the twenty third, I had a friend of mine from New York come to my house who had a flu, and we had dinner together. And another friend who came, who left the next day for Australia for vacation on an airplane. So, we were not taking this terribly seriously until there was a lockdown. And we've seen that echo around the world. I think still some people find it hard to understand the magnitude of some of the measures that China took. I mean, what else are we missing about China's response in all of this? You know, historically, we're just such a two very different countries in terms of culture and history. I mean, these are two completely different human experiences for its people. So for China. When the lockdown happens, people are okay. People are okay with it because they think that's what a good parent should do. You know, if a kid gets sick, sick, you put him in the other room and you lock him up and make sure that the other kids don't get sick, and they expect that out of the government. But when it is outside of China, from America, it becomes a huge issue of the right political thing to do, and whether it's infringing on personal freedom. So the issues that you have to deal with in a democratic society are issues that one does not have to deal with in China. I have to say that there is a word in Chinese that doesn't exist in any other language. 
and the word is called guai. It is what you call a kid who listens to his or her parents. So I think we are very, as a people, we are very guai. We have this sort of authoritarian figure that Chinese always look. Up to, and they do expect the government to actually take the actions, and they will deal with it. However much suffering there is, they feel that okay, if you know, Big Brother says that this has to be done, then it must be done, and that really defines China as a separate、uh, mentality. Chinese as has a separate mentality as say people in Europe and America. That sense of collective responsibility sometimes feels kind of a little absent from this culture. At the same time, there are, I think, valid concerns around、um, surveillance and kind of data privacy, things like that. What is the balance here, and what is the right trade-off between surveillance and freedom? I think in the internet age,、um, it is somewhere between China and the U.S.、Um, I think when you take individual freedom versus collective safety, there has to be a balance somewhere there. With surveillance,、um, you know, the the head of Baidu,、um, Robin Lee, once said the Chinese people are quite willing to give up certain individual rights in exchange for convenience. Actually, he was. Completely criticized on Chinese social media, but I think he is right.、Uh, Chinese people are willing to give up certain rights. For example,、uh, we have Chinese mostly are very proud of the payment system we have, which is you can go anywhere just with your iPhone and pay for everything, and all they do is face scan. I think that probably freaks Americans out. You know, China right now. We're still under semi-lockdown, so if you go anywhere, there's an app where you scan and you input your mobile phone number, and the app will tell the guard at the entrance of the mall, for example, where you have been for the past 14 days. Now, when I told that to an American, she was horrified, and she thought it was such an invasion of privacy.、Um, on the other hand, Uh, as someone who is Chinese and have lived in China for、uh, the past twenty years,、um, although I understand that American mentality, I still find it. I'm Chinese enough to think I don't mind this, and I am better. I feel safer entering the mall because everybody has is has been scanned. Whereas I think individual freedom as a Abstract concept in a pandemic like this is actually really meaningless. So I think the West really need to move a step towards the East and to think about the collective as a whole, rather than only think about oneself as an individual. The rise of antagonistic rhetoric between the U.S. and China is obviously troubling. And the thing is, the countries are interlinked, whether people understand global supply chains or not. Where do you think we head next? You know, this is this is the most horrifying thing that came out of this. The kind of nationalistic sentiments on both sides、um, in this pandemic. Because I'm an optimist, I think 
what will come out of this is that both sides will realize that this is a fight that the entire human race have to do together and not apart. Despite the rhetoric, uh, the global economy has grown to such a integration that decoupling will be extremely costly and painful for both the United States and China. It's also been interesting to me to see the criticism that China has received quite vocally. Um, for instance, they've been criticized for downplaying the death toll, um, arguably, um, also for trying to demonize Dr. Li, the Wuhan doctor who first kind of raised the alarm about um, the coronavirus. Um, I just saw a report in the New York Times that, that um, Weibo users have been posting repeatedly on the last post of Dr. Lee and kind of using this as a kind of a living memorial to him and chatting to him. And there's something like 870,000 comments and growing on that last post. Do you see a change in the media? Do you see a change in the approach to Chinese leadership that actually could lead to China swinging perhaps more to the center, just as perhaps America needs to swing more towards a Chinese model? Unfortunately, not really, because I think the, there is a way um, between authoritarian governments and the and its people to communicate. The night that Dr. Lee died, um, when it was announced that he died, uh, the Chinese social media just blew up. Even though he was unjustly treated as a whistleblower, he still went to work in the hospital and tried to save lives as a doctor. And then he died because he contracted the disease. So there was anger, frustration, and all that came out in kind of commemorating a figure that they feel that the government had wronged. The verdict and the um, sort of the official voice on who is Dr. Lee, is he a good guy or a bad guy, completely changed 180 degrees. He went from a doctor who misbehaved to the hero who warned the people. So under authoritarian government, they, they still are very aware of public opinion. But on the other hand, when people complain and when they commemorate Dr. Lee, do they really want to change the system? And my answer is no, because they don't like that particular decision, but they don't want to change the system. And one of the reasons is because they have never, ever known another system. This is the system they know how to work. What is wok throwing, Huang? Oh, wok throwing is um, when you blame somebody else. Basically, someone who is responsible uh, in a slang Chinese is someone who carries a black walk. You are made to be the scapegoat to be for something that is bad. So basically, um, Trump start calling it the Chinese virus, the Wuhan virus, and naming, trying to blame the entire coronavirus um, um, pandemic on the Chinese. And then the Chinese... I think through the walk back at the Americans. So it was like a very funny joke on Chinese social media that walk throwing, there's a walk throwing gymnastics aerobics exercise video that went viral. But tell us, Huang, you're also doing dances on TikTok, right? 
Oh, of course. I'm doing a lot of walk-throwing aerobics on TikTok. I mean, a potential silver lining of all of this is that it has laid bare some of the inequities, inequalities in the system, some of the broken structures that we have. And if we're smart, we can rebuild better. Yes. I think one of the silver linings of this pandemic is that we do realize that human race have to do something together rather than to be distinguished by our race, by the color of our skin, or by our nationality, that this virus obviously is not discriminating against anyone, whether you're rich or poor, important or not important, or whatever skin color or nationality you are. So it is a time to be together rather than to try to pull the world apart and crawl back to our own nationalistic shells. It's a beautiful sentiment. Huang Hung, thank you so much for joining us from Beijing. Stay well, please. Thank you, Helen, and you stay well as well. TED Talks Daily is hosted by me, Elise Hugh, and produced by TED. Theme music is from Allison Layton Brown, and our mixer is Christopher Fazy Bogan. We record the talks at TED events we host or from TEDx events, which are organized independently by volunteers all over the world. And we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or email us at podcasts at TED.com.